What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Welcome back to all you loyal listeners. Appreciate you guys so much. If you're new to the family, welcome home. Welcome to University of Adversity and welcome to the alumni. I really appreciate you guys. We're going to build a tribe and we're going to change the world with all these amazing humans. Connecting the world through human connection, everybody. Inspiring the world through human connection, all that great stuff. Today is going to be fire. I know I say that a lot because I really do value everybody that comes on here, but today this guy is what they call the wizard. And I don't know if he actually likes being called that, but that's what he does. He does wizardry stuff. No, not actually. He is one of these gifted humans that have the ability to really help you shift your mindset. You know, in life, when we're growing up, we have a lot of different things happen that program us and it's not our fault. These stories that are told to us that we tell ourselves, that we continue to tell ourselves, that create this belief in these personas that we continue to follow. Today, we dissect all that. What it is that actually happens, these stories, what do they mean? Why do some people act certain ways? How do you fix it? That's what we get into. Clay Moffitt is going to be joining us. He's, we, this was a great conversation, no doubt. This was, this was up there with one of the best. He's a brilliant dude, but he can get the, what he's good at is communicating and connecting with people and having the ability to really get into their minds and help them because there's so many people that have these blocks these things going on that it's nobody's fault. It's just what we've learned and then we continue to reinforce. Guys like this are helping change the world and helping give you the tools that you can get out of these things. So Clay Moffitt, make sure you check them out. You guys are gonna love this. If you haven't already guys, share this with a friend, text them. Have you heard University of Adversity before? Subscribe, review, whatever it takes. Share this, do whatever you can. I appreciate the love. And we're going to grow this thing to um, massive, massive levels. And I need your help to do it. So I really appreciate you. We're going to get into it right away with Clay Moffitt. Clay, what's up, brother? Thanks for coming on, man. Dude, uh, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here, man. I really, really appreciate the invitation. Yeah. It's funny in these, these conversations because... Sometimes before we hit record, we start talking about stuff and I'm like, oh shit, we got we to gotta make sure that we're, uh, we're getting this. So I've, I've wanted to connect with you for a while. You're doing some awesome stuff and it's a really important time for your work as well. It, it fascinates me and I can't wait to get into all that and just like unpack it. But before we get into that, maybe take us back a bit. Take it, tell us a bit about your past and maybe peel back the curtain and, and let us know a little bit more about your personal story and cool. you know, how you got to where you are today. How much time you got, man? Cause, Bro, you know, you know what, man? We got hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things. First is that uh, I love the name of the podcast because it's all about adversity. But the thing that a lot of people, when they speak with me, they seem to be surprised is I never had adversity in the way that a lot of people talk about. Right. Not in any way, shape or form. Right. I came from a really good family, man. I've got two parents that love me to death. And I mean that in a literal sense, because I've almost died like about three or four times and they've loved me the whole time. So they have loved me to death, but it came to like, a, I'll jump back even further in a moment, but I came to a realization about 10 years ago that every single major problem in my life, all the adversity I faced was because of me. 
It wasn't because I made a stupid decision and I lost out on a business. It wasn't because the economy went down and everything went bankrupt. It wasn't because I was beaten. It wasn't because I was molested. It wasn't because I was raped. It wasn't because I was stupid. I had not one thing that I could blame on an external event and yet I still managed to completely fuck up my life. Right. And you sent out the, the questionnaire and like, okay, so like, tell me a bit about your journey and tell me about the story. It kind of sent me into a, a like completely different tangent where I was like, well, you know what? Like the biggest adversity I've had to overcome is myself. Yeah. And it kind of got me thinking like, well, no one really is going to be able to connect with my story. And I was like, well, hang on a sec, you dickhead. Like, <laughs> this is a story that possibly everyone could connect with because fuck yeah, man. Like it's, it, it's crazy, you know, sure. The economy sucks. Sure, something happened. And if you don't get back up, then what's the real adversity? Yeah. So like my parents immigrated to Australia. So I was the first born, uh, first generation Australian. Great country, by the way, man. Lived there for five years. Dude, it's it's fun, man. And there's some good quality people there. And I've got some really, really top friends um, from Oz. (laughs) And if I actually ever went back there, we'd hang out a lot. But I typically don't. Yeah. I just like traveling through the world. But I grew up, man. Um, my dad was a hotel manager when he moved to Australia. We'll put that caveat in there. Um, and my mom used to work with him in the hotels and then she started running her own business. And uh, I never really saw my dad growing up because he was a hotel manager. So he worked like 20 hours a day. So I was just doing my thing, causing mischief and being a juvenile delinquent. And something at some point like just sent me off the rails. My mom took me in, um, they tried to label me as ADD or ADHD or ADD, diddy, diddy, whatever hell supplement acronym they want to give it now. Mm. My mom didn't want to buy it. She was like, no, it's not going to happen. And took me to see this specialist, which taught me some exercises, which I still currently do, called Brain Gym. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brain Gym. No, it's, but... It, uh, it's huge in Asia, man. They make yeah. all the kids do it before school, like every single one. And basically, it's, it's basic kinesiology exercises mm. about getting uh, hemispheric synchronization. Typically, with kids who are ADD, they're, if you know much about brainwaves, they're more down in like an alpha theta kind of brainwave. Whereas to be successful at school, you kind of need to be in like a, a low level beta, high alpha brainwave. And ADD kids are more like seeing everything and they're focused on like so much, whereas They can't narrow their focus. Does that make sense? Totally. And so this is what the exercises did. And my grades went from being like a D student to an A student within like two or three months. And um, so it worked. And so I knew I wasn't stupid. I just didn't really like school. Mm. So I was kind of a delinquent, got in a lot of trouble at school. So then I just started not going. And I used to go surfing in my time off. or I'd go to the movies with my girlfriends and stuff like that. But I'd still do enough to pass except in my second final year where I pretty much got like straight S and like I completely bombed and uh, I got pulled into the counselors meeting at the end of the year. And she's like, look, you basically need almost straight A's to graduate. I'm like, okay, no worries. So the next year I pretty much got straight A's so I could graduate. And then I joined the military, wow. joined the military. Cause I was like, okay, well I don't have discipline. I lack discipline. So, you know, let's join the military cause that's going to be the best thing for me. That was a really stupid decision. Um, my personality is not suited to the military and the military will in Australia and I can't speak for other militaries, but in Australian military, you need to have a certain level of competence, 
but promotions are primarily based on time. And because they're primarily based on time, a lot of people get promoted who are, to put it politely, incompetent. Mm. And so you can have someone in charge of you that you can't talk back to, that you can't say, no, you're wrong because they outrank you. And me being a very direct and blunt individual who had zero tact as a teenager, that was the worst possible environment to put myself into. So I joined the military and my first year I'd gone through basic training and I was doing my weapons specialization training. It was first Christmas leave and I flew back to Perth for like the four weeks off. My buddy texted me, or well actually don't even know if he had mobiles and I think he called me, emailed me, whatever, right? The old days. Guess he touches me. Dude, got my work Christmas party. We need to go. We need to hit this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hips, chicks. You're going to have a great time. I'm like, all right, sweet. Let's do it. I woke up eight days later in hospital. What I got told happened, because I had no clue, I have no recollection, was that a fight broke out. I got in between. And in the process of doing that, I got thrown through a balcony railing. And I fell three and a half meters headfirst on the concrete. Fuck. Fractured my skull, had an aneurysm. And basically, they put me in an induced coma. One of potentially the worst things that could have happened out of that was when I came to, like a week and a half later, basically, was the doctor said, the only reason you're alive is because you're drunk. If you hadn't have been drunk, you would have been so stiff, you would have snapped your neck and you would have been dead. Because I came out of the state, and that's the, pretty much one of the first things that I got told, I never even thought that alcohol was like one of the causes of it. I was like, well, alcohol saved my life. So that just maintained my want to continue drinking, mm. which if you know anything about me, alcohol's like my kryptonite. Me too. And I haven't drunk in about three years now, three and a half years, and my life's got all the better for it. And now if you want to drink, I've got no, like I've got no judgment against anyone else, but for me, dude, <laughs> stay away, man. Bro, so. I'm, I'm the exact same way, man. Exactly the same way. We'll get into that, but yeah, it's... uh it's hindering on in all levels. If you got to know when it's, you got to know when something's fucked with you a lot and you gotta, you just got to have that awareness, right? Yep. It's, it's yeah. crazy, man. You know, you look at, well, what are the reasons that this shit keeps happening? And there's that thing. You're like, well, it's just one or it's just two. It's like, yep. well, no, that's the thing. <laughs> like, you know, like, exactly. Like, no, hundred percent, man. Basically, I, I didn't even learn it then, right? Because I'm like, I carried on drinking after that. Finished all my Navy training, got deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. By the time the ship sailed, like I'd already figured out what I was doing, not with the rest of my life, but how I was getting out of the military. We landed back in Perth, Western Australia. The gangway went down. I walked across the gangway. And I never stepped foot on a Navy base again. Like I had enough leave and everything to take care of. I didn't even formally discharge from the military. I didn't sign my papers, nothing. I just walked away. I'm like, I'm done with this shit. I don't want it anymore. That being said, like the military taught me some pretty good skills because I put myself in a situation that I didn't want to be in for seven and a half years and I carried on doing it. It was a interesting perspective, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you must have learned a ton of discipline in that. Like, I mean, you must have pulled out a couple things that would have probably helped you or... I'd like to say so, man, but not especially. Really? Uh, my, my old man's ex-special forces, so when it comes to discipline, like he kind of knew how to discipline us. Mm. And like when I joined, it, it's funny, dude, when I joined the military, so I used to have to make my bed, iron my school clothes, like pack my lunch, do all these like little things. And when you join the military, what do you have to do? You have to make your bed, wash your clothes, do all this. 
which I'd already been doing. Right. And they were like, they were like grown men breaking down crying because they didn't know how to iron their clothes. They didn't know how to do these kind of things and they're freaking out about it because they're overwhelmed. I'm just like, dude, like, are you kidding me? Like, this is just like being at home. It's no, no different. Except I share a room with like, what was it seven other people now as opposed to like having a room to myself. So it's no different. In terms of discipline, I'd love to say it did, man, but it didn't. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that I was just being a fucking jackass. Even still, because I was like, oh, it's just, it's, it's the military. That's what's causing these problems. It's the military. It's, it's the wrong environment, right? It was the wrong environment at school. Then it became the wrong environment in the military. Then when I left the military, I joined the oil field and started working in oil and gas. And wouldn't you believe it? It was the wrong environment again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just happens that way, right? Yes. So when I got passed up for a promotion, which I had worked my ass off for, I got passed up for a promotion for something that didn't happen at work. It happened on the way to work. I had like a school an altercation, well, nothing physical, but a verbal altercation with uh, this woman who was being exceedingly difficult. People say, oh, you should have known better. Like I didn't know better. So you can say I should have known better all I wanted. I didn't. And that basically cost the promotion of around about, I, I, I got around about hundred grand a year. More respect, more time off, and just a, a, a much better position in life. Right. And that kind of set me off on a very different trajectory. But when I had that altercation, it wasn't even my fault then. Like that wasn't even a turning point, man. It's ridiculous. Like it, it, it's just ridiculous. I had this one point where like I'd hit rock bottom and it only came to pass like a few years later that everything started lining up. I got arrested for being drunk and doing some really stupid shit. Um, nothing malicious. I was just drunk and was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Wasn't trying to hurt anyone, wasn't trying to do anything to anyone and got arrested in a foreign country with no way to contact anyone. And I was like, what am I supposed to do now? And I kind of accepted. I'm pretty quick to accept things. I'm like, okay, there's no point freaking out about it. No point getting upset because if you know anything about the body, as soon as you do that, you shut down pretty much all of your opportunities to do anything. And so I did what I could do, man. Ended up persuading one of the ladies who was in the processing house to let me send an email. I fired an email off to my mom, my brother, uh, my girlfriend at the time. I think one of my friends. And I literally had to title the email, this is not a joke, because I joke around a lot. And then in the email says, I'm actually locked up in jail. This is the jail. This is what's going on. Uh, just to let you know. So you know where I am. That's it. I don't want your help. I don't just, just to let you know, like you guys know now. And then I was in processing for about another 24, 38 hours. Basically, then they, they call out my name and said, look, you, you've made bail, like you're out. I'm like, okay. The court process went on for like another three months and then the lady ended up dropping all the charges. She's like, okay, it's just some drunk idiot. As long as he pays to fix this and this and this, no problem, no harm, no foul. Hmm. So $26,000 later, it was a bit more than no harm, no foul, you know? But right. when, when you're in that, mix you're like okay there's something that's not gone right here buddy and there's no one else to blame but you it's a reality check man and it wow. the buck kind of stops you know you can't keep blaming everyone else because the only there was only one common denominator between school between the military between offshore and that was me yeah the, that realization the ownership that it's everybody else's fault right it's so much easier man i can relate with this so much man because you, you know, we get taught these lessons will keep showing up and they'll keep coming until they get worse, until 
you're in the fucking slammer. That's like everybody's worst fear too, right? Because we all are out there. How many, how many times have we all been out there drunk, doing something stupid where we could have easily been in that position? I think about, like that gives me anxiety thinking about Thailand itself or like even in Australia, anywhere, man. Any, like how many stupid things we did that could have been in that kind of situation. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy how we have to hit that point. And you obviously had to hit that point for you to be like, all right, what's the, what's the thing here? <laughs> it took a while, man. It really did. It took a while, you know? I'd already started reading books on persuasion at that point because I realized I had a problem with communication. Like, I sucked at communicating with people, man. And that's kind of what got me down. It, it's a really weird way of saying it, but that's what got me started in this line of work. Mm. Because I realized I couldn't communicate with people. And then when you take that one step further, I realized I couldn't communicate with myself. And that becomes a huge problem. When you can't say, I want this, and then actually go and do it without. And there's, there's a huge clarification that I'm going to make. And people will talk a lot about self-sabotage. Right. I don't actually believe it exists. And that's because of the way I interpret how the mind works. And that is, your mind can be seen as like the worst enemy in the world or it can be seen as your best friend. I prefer now to look at my mind as like my best friend. It's my number one supporter. It's my number one cheerleader. It's, it's like, it's always in my corner. Even if it's pushing me to do something that I don't actually want to do, it's doing it because of a old program that is probably no longer useful, but at some point it served a use and it hasn't got the memo yet that it's time to update the program. And when I made that switch that I fully believe now, my life just got easier because I'm never battling myself. People always talk about this internal battle within. I don't have that. I don't have an internal battle within. Because if I know that everything I'm doing is for like a positive intention for myself, then why am I battling? It's just a matter of persuading myself to go a different way. Fuck, that's fascinating, bro. So, okay, let's unpack that a little bit. I know communication is one of the, is so valuable at being able to communicate your message and to be able to like elevate somebody else so that they can actually absorb what you're saying and to be able to have that conversation with yourself that's a loving, coming from a loving place instead of like hate and, and it, it's so important. How did you switch that perspective though? Like, was it always like that? Did you, how did you look at it before? Like when you were self, when you were, okay, so you don't believe in self-sabotage, right? Oh, I but, did for a long Okay, so how did you, was it from the persuasion and learning how to communicate that helped you switch? Or what else was there that helped you to kind of like allow, get that realization that it's all bullshit? Like I want to, I love to figure out like what it is you, you did or practiced that maybe somebody out there listening could be like, okay, I know what he's saying, but like what are, the, what are some of the things that I could do right now that would maybe shift my perspective like that? Absolutely. So comes down to a, a, a few things. I was also, like I mentioned before, I'm very fortunate with my parents and my brother, right? And my entire family, really, to be honest. But my dad is, is, is kind of a, he's a unique individual. Mm. And um, I don't know if you ever had like those parents who are like on the sideline at the game, like yelling at the kids, <laughs> yeah. right? That was my dad, except he wasn't on the sideline. He was on the field. And, and the umpires used to say, hey, Mr. Moffat, get off the field. Like, he'd be <laughs> like chasing kids, you know what I mean? And, like, I'd come limping off the field because I messed up my ankle, messed up my knee, but, like, knocked out. And I'd be like, Dad, oh, God, you got no idea. He'd be like, you're talking to me. Like, and he goes, you're breathing. So he goes, you're lucky. 
Some kids would kill to be able to play sport. Some kids would kill to have that fun. Yeah. So I kind of already had like this underlying conditioning from my dad that, you know, even if I'm breathing, I'm like, even if, even if I'm alive, I see. So and this is going to sound really stupid and maybe even pathetic to a lot of people, but if there's an opportunity to like walk up three flights of stairs or take a lift, I'll take the stairs because I've got two legs at work, man. And one day yeah. I might have that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not to yeah, bro. make a plan at people to take a lift. You want to take a lift, take a lift. But I've got the ability to walk. And it blew my mind the first time I went to the US, man. First time I went to the US, overnighted in Los Angeles and flew across down to Louisiana, New Orleans. And we stayed in this hotel. And I went to the counter to ask like where like a, a supermarket was. And she said, oh, there's a Walmart and a Target about a mile and a half down the road. I'm like, okay, sweet, thanks. She goes, oh, do you want me to call you a cab? I'm like, no, I just walked there. And she, the look on her face was like absolute horror. I'm like, what's the problem? She goes, you can't walk that far in this heat. I'm like, I'm pretty confident I can. You know, I used to run like five <laughs> miles. Like, I'm pretty confident I can walk this far. And it's, it's not an issue. And she's like, you must be crazy. Where are you from? I'm like, stretch. Because, oh, that's why. I'm like, all right. So apparently walking somewhere is crazy. Now, obviously, that's not all Americans. I'm totally with no. that. Trying to put everyone in this one bubble, but it, it was just like such a shock of perspective because I'm used to walking everywhere, you know. Like I, I want to use my body. I, I want to have this ability. My dad kind of conditioned me to just be like, I guess it's in in a, another way of saying it's like just like a an un, a deeper seed of uh, gratitude, right? Just for being alive, you know. Like yeah, sure, I put myself in shit situations, but just for being alive. Yeah. So that's that's definitely one of the things, man. I, I attribute a lot of stuff to that because. It's like a fallback mechanism I have. Like yeah. everything go wrong, I'm like, well, hold on a sec. You're still breathing. You still got a chance, right? So that's definitely one aspect of it. The other aspect of it was through going through a lot of the books and through seeing a lot of successful people and through studying NLP, which a lot of people say is like pseudoscience and waste of time. Sure, it is. Fine. Is it getting people the results they want? Yeah. So like let them have their success. Yeah. But through like studying all these people, I noticed that the people who were happiest in their life, they were all at what a lot of people turn around and say is they were all at core. So basically a simple way of saying it, they took responsibility. So I started asking myself, well, how am I responsible for this outcome? Hmm. What am I contributing to this outcome? Because if you're in a place you don't want to be, you're still a part of that equation. You can't be somewhere in a certain situation without being involved in an equation somehow, right? One of my mentors, John Overduff, talks about the, uh, the universal equation, which is kind of like a very, very bastardized version of what Einstein kind of figured out, right? Which is yeah. for something to exist, it has to occur at a certain, in a certain space, at a certain time, in a certain form, with a certain energy. And if it doesn't have those four things, it can't exist. And the certain form is you. You're the form. So you're a part of the equation. So you can't not be a part of that. So when you take responsibility for that, and if you change any one of these four things, guess what? The output has to change. It's maths, right? So when you start changing your outlook, okay, so well, this is what I'm responsible for, then you can start to change it. And the other thing was recognizing that and learning that most of the time, People are right. It's not your fault that you have these shitty ideas or shitty thoughts inside your head, but it is your responsibility to change it. Because so many times I see, I see people turn around like, I've got friends here in Phuket, but dude, 
you would love to speak to man if you heard their story you'd be like what the fuck <laughs> and, and and what they've done with their lives is just unbelievable man really really smart driven intelligent people who have come out of being in like uh, in australia they call it the underbelly right that's like a huge thing like yeah. crime families and they're the only person that got out and they made something of themselves and they've done like amazing things and they've turned their life around because they've got this understanding that, okay, that happened. But just cause that happened, I can start to choose differently. Now I'm not that that's something that happened. Sure. It shaped me in a way, but you can choose to be different. You can choose to change. It's going to take effort going to take time but you can choose that what do you see as as the the number one thing that people have is it that they don't take that ownership on your life like practicing gratitude for me bro it completely changed my life you know looking at what do i have instead of what don't i have right it's the simplest thing it's a choice it's a perspective but do you find that to be the biggest culprit in in people's lack of success is it the ownership or is it getting stuck in that persona they decided to choose for so long and they're so attached to that and those beliefs and those everything that aligns with that thing, you know, which fascinates me as well as how people get stuck in that thing. It's like, well, why did you choose that thing? Why are you like, cause you can change, right? You can, it's a matter of having a deciding and just doing things that align with that new thing. Right. It, it, it this stuff just fucking fascinates me, bro. Like, this stuff. And I just always like, even for myself, I can only speak and how, when that perspective of being grateful and understanding that you have to own your shit, own your, own your life. And when that happens, it hurts, but you realize that, yes, we are in the equation that we are the factor. We are the variable. Right. Right. Um, that's going to take us on a really crazy, <laughs> but let's just do it anyway. I very rarely ever use the word coach. I don't say I coach. And there's a reason why it's not because I've got anything against it. It's more because what I do is about conditioning. Mm. And that's why people end up where they are. Because I always say, and one of my other mentors, Mark Cunningham talks about, and we learned in the military, like it got ingrained into us, that you condition for what you want. So when we're in the Navy, one of the most deadly things in the Navy is a fire. You got a fire at sea, especially on a warship where you've got missiles and guns and fuel. It's kind of a you know pretty horrible place to be, right? You need to get that thing out real quick, or you're all going to die. But what do they do to to avoid that? To counter that? Drill every single day. Drill about how to put a fire out, how to do this fire, how to tackle this fire, how to put this situation. And it's going on and on and on and on and on. Why? So that when the shit hits the fan, it becomes an automatic routine, mm -hmm. right? Special forces, doctors, pilots become mechanical in what they're doing. Why? Because they drill and they drill and they drill. The more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat. It becomes an automated system. It becomes habitual. Now, the key thing that I like to take, uh, I like people to take away is that whether you like it or not, you're being conditioned right now. 
They're being conditioned by listening to your podcast. They're being conditioned by listening to my voice. They're being conditioned by watching the NFL. They're being conditioned by watching Fox News or CBS. Is that a news station on yeah, CNN? Yeah. That one, right? Both, all garbage. <laughs> right? But they're being conditioned by it. Yeah. Whether they like it or not, what you pay attention to, where your attention goes, will start to condition you. It's going to start to condition your beliefs. It's going to start to condition what you see in the world. It's going to start to condition you to either hate Trump or like Trump or disagree with Trump or love Bernie Sanders or whatever it is that you're paying attention to. Like, I don't care, yeah. but you're going to be conditioned and then it's going to start to develop biases inside you that are going to start to put you even more in your condition. And so while I absolutely love what you're saying and I absolutely agree with it, that everyone can change, not everyone can because they don't believe they can. Mm. And if they don't believe they can, they won't unless you get someone who is so skilled that they can start installing things in that person unconsciously so they don't have a fucking chance. But then that's kind of like borders on the line of unethical, so you've got to like start dodging those questions and stuff. But that's like a whole nother story. Can everyone change? Yeah, mm. if they choose to. But have people been conditioned that they can't? All the fucking time. Oh, absolutely, man. And it's, that's the thing is like, I've started to monitor what I let in, man. And what I, as far as like news and even Netflix and watching shit, cause watching shit before bed that, that lowers your, your energy and your vibe. Like there's all this stuff you're storing it. Right. And I've really, I've really noticed it, man. I've had to cut out the shit that makes me feel bad. Like we just absorb this stuff as you obviously know. And it's like, you have to take again, ownership of what you're listening to. 100%, man. But these guys get paid millions of dollars to, to install this shit. Billions, trillions. Like, it's, it's a whole rabbit hole. Like, it's... Have you seen, and I was just interested more from, like, the, the psychology point. Have you seen the movie Vice? No. Right. So, it's, it's, it's about... Um, I'm going to mess up his name. Like, now. I know Vice, but I haven't... Like, I don't know oh, so, the Vice is the movie about the vice president who was in when George Bush Jr. was president. And name escapes me. It'll come back to me later. Is it going to blow my mind or what? <laughs> there's, there's one aspect which would, would, should terrify the fuck out of you and every single person on the planet. And that is that... Like, I mean, I kind of knew about it. I didn't know the extent that it went to. There are marketing firms that are paid millions of dollars to do millions of dollars worth of research just to choose words that will change the way you perceive things. So to shift the tax for the rich, and I, I, mean, I don't care, like if they don't want to pay tax, they don't pay tax, sure, whatever. The working class, the middle class, and the lower class were never going to allow tax breaks for the rich for like an inheritance tax or something like that, right? Yeah. So they did this research and they started shifting the name and calling it a death tax. And just that one word, when they did all the research, they overturned the rule and there was no tax on certain uh, allotments that were above. People didn't read the fine print. Wow. Death tax. I don't want to be taxed when I die. That's bullshit. And it wasn't actually affecting them. It was affecting the uber rich. But because these people are spending millions of dollars, that's why I say, like, whether you like it or not, you're being conditioned. 100%. And 
they want you to go in a certain way and they have millions of dollars to spend on advertising, to give speeches, to do certain things. And if you're not doing anything for your mind, someone else will. Yeah, man. <laughs> it just, it just blows my mind sometimes when you think about it. But I mean, that's the thing is we can only do our best to kind of have these conversations that sort of, you know, come from a place trying to, I don't, I don't know, man, but trying to, to raise awareness of it. I don't even know how to word it sometimes. Right. It's like this awareness of like, well, maybe you should listen to this instead of that, you know, so that people can start to like, you're right. The conditioning thing just, I, I, it, it gives me like, it's speech. I'm speechless about it because I know it's like all we're doing like all day. Advertising pops up, hearing this voice doing this, like, ah, oh, man. Anyway. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. It's about yeah, Dick, Dick Cheney. Cheney. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've actually, somebody was talking about that. Somebody was talking about that. I'll have to check it out. So it's, it's, it's a long ass movie, man. But, dude, I tell you, it's, yeah. It was a real eye, eye opener, man. It was a real eye opener. So tell us, man, walk us through somebody comes to see you and they want to, they want to know about your work. Like, you, you're doing like the mind is so amazing. And, you know, you talk about NLP, you talk about, um, you know, there's hypnosis, there's all these things with these faulty programs. Can you give some clarity to people on the kind of the work that you do and like how it is, how important it is for that, that kind of, you know, working towards sort of installing good conditioning and good programs? Well, let's look at it this way. Whether you like it or not, you're being conditioned. Yeah that's got a converse as well which means whether you like it or not you're conditioning people around you to treat you in a certain way and the way you see yourself as you look in the mirror your self-image your self-concept is going to determine your boundaries of what you will accept from other people and what you reject your self-concept comes from internal beliefs and your internal beliefs come from your interpretation of experience not experience itself. The closest that you can get to experience itself is in your right hemisphere, which is what's connected to the vagus nerve, which is what's connected to all our sensory inputs. But to turn it into meaning and to create it into language, it needs to be transferred across to your left hemisphere, which is like about 96, 97% of people. About 3 or 4% are the other way around, but just stay with me here. And when it transfers across, it gets to be an interpretation because it's no longer a direct sensory input. Now, Timmy's walking from Costco or Walmart or whatever, right? And he's walking back to the car and the garbage bag, the garbage bag, the shopping bag breaks <laughs> and his stuff falls all over the floor, right? So now there could be several stories there. Tim was stupid, he didn't double back. Oh, the garbage bags are weak and pathetic, so they broke. Oh, now I've just wasted all this money, so now I have to go spend more money. I have to go work harder. All of that is a fucking story. What happened? Garbage bag broke. Man was walking. Stuff broke out of him. All of the, he's stupid, he's clumsy, he's going to have to work hard, he's going to do this. It's all story that we attach to stuff. It's all an interpretation of the experience. It doesn't actually make it real. What makes it real is the meaning we apply to it. Now, just so we're clear, just for anyone that is potentially listening, I'm not saying that if something happened to you, in a very untoward way where you were assaulted, battery, 
any kind of molestation, that it's your fault. I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape or form. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's just a story. What I'm saying is how it's affecting you now is the story you tell yourself. I'm not saying that shit didn't happen. What I am saying is you can let go of the emotion and start to move forward. I've worked with many people, many, many people who have been molested, who have been raped, who have been assaulted by family members. And they're free of that now. They're not free of the incident that happened, but the control that it has over their lives is gone because sure, the incident still happened, but the meanings changed. The emotional attachment to that meeting. Because what happens when something traumatic happens and like, let's just take a side and define trauma. Let's say that a billionaire has a nine-year-old girl and a nine-year-old boy that are twins. And they've gotten every single thing that they want in their life. And then for Christmas, they ask for I don't know, a gold iPad. Why not? And they don't get it. But up until that point, they have gotten absolutely every single thing that they ever wanted. And then they flip out and they go crazy at Christmas because dad doesn't love them anymore. Why? Because they've gotten everything. So they've been conditioned that love means you get what you want when you ask for it. So the first time it doesn't happen, now they're going through a traumatic experience. Are they brats? Well, sure, some people, but then that's a story that someone's applying to it. The kids, they don't know any better, right? They've been conditioned that way. Same as then, let's take it to a war zone. It's interpretation. You can have a whole platoon and you can have 27 out of 30 get wiped out by an IED. Three people remain. One guy walks away completely fine. The other two have major, major stress issues. Are they weaker? Are they stupider? Fuck no, they're not. They've interpreted something in a different way and it's had a different effect on their neurology. doesn't make them weak. It doesn't make them stupid. It doesn't make them less of a man or even less of a warrior. But it's an interpretation of the experience. And you can change that. That is the best thing about your mind. It's also the fucking worst thing because it can go into a place where you don't want to go. But if here's a, here's a huge thing. People talk about, oh my God, man, the latest and greatest thing, neuroplasticity. Have you heard about it? Dude, how the fuck do you think you learn anything? That includes all the bad shit too. It's through neuroplasticity. It's how we learn everything. And it's awesome that it happens as long as you condition it to happen in the right way. When, when you're sitting with people, so I speak at events, like I, I lecture in Phuket every week at three different places. And I speak at events, like some places, sometimes around the world. And one of the things I ask, I say, well, like, let's be honest, like, just be honest with me. What do you think? What's the percentage that you say the mind contributes to anything you do in life? 20%, 30%. And I can usually get agreement with the entire room at 50%. And some people who are a bit more like, let's say, into the church of personal development will go like 80, 90%. I'm like, all right, fair enough. So let's say it's 50%. So are you spending 50% of your time conditioning your mind to be what you want? And I'm like, no. I said, do you even know what you want? Well, no. I said, okay. Can you give me a list of everything you don't want? Oh, yeah, easy. Right. So where's your fucking focus? Oh, man. Right? They're conditioning themselves to focus on all the things they don't want so they get more of what? What they don't want. Man, I, uh, 
I, I love it because this is so interesting and I'm just like speechless and I love like the silence of it because it's like, it's so true, man. It's so fucking true. And the way you, the way you illustrate it, bro, is just, I, I'm, I, my mind is blown right now, man. No wonder they call you the wizard. Fuck. No, man. So, all right. How do people rewrite that story they tell themselves? The first step, man, is like what you were talking about before, bro, which is a super, super important thing. It's awareness, man. You got to actually have an awareness. I don't mean that no one has an awareness, right? Everyone has an awareness. At the same time, it's about coming to the realization that you can be aware that you have the ability to change. Now, for some people, it can be as simple as reading a book, bro. Really? Yeah. And, and they can just like read this book and they're in the exact right emotional state at the exact right time and they're good to go. Yeah. And for others, they need to go buy a course. And for others, they need to go to a live training. And for others, they need to hire someone and work with a professional. I'm not suggesting that you need to do any of that. Some people, they go and pray to God, man, and it works for them and good for them. I got nothing but respect for the people that do that. And they find that it works. If that works for you, go for it. See, I'll never put down a system if it works for someone. I don't care. For sure. Whatever you use, right? Whatever you use, as long as it's not putting down other people. Right? And that's the big difference. There's so many, so many paths. But it all starts with awareness. And to have awareness, you need to be in the right state. Now, I'm not talking about Kentucky or California. I mean, your emotional state, your state of awareness. Because you could read the book. Like, I could recommend A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which I recommend every person should read. And if you haven't read it, go buy it. But if you're not in the right place to read that book, you can read that book and you're going to say, man, Lance, that clay guy is an idiot. Why did he recommend that book? I can't believe you had him on the show. Because... You can walk into a room in a miserable, depressed state and based on the emotion refractory period, the phenomenon discovered by Paul Eklund, the guy that basically had all the research that launched the show Lie to Me, if you ever saw that. So the emotional refractory period talks about, let's say, I know you've never had an argument in your life, Lance, but let's just pretend that you have, right? So you've had this <laughs> argument and um, you're arguing with your girlfriend, for example, and you walk out of the room and she carries on doing her thing. And you're like, yeah, it's done, it's done, it's done. But like, you both, you both got kind of heated. Let's just pretend that could happen. Mm. So you walk back in like five minutes later and let's say she's like making a cup of tea and like she drops a spoon and it's like ding, ding, ding. And then straight away, you're back into that annoyed, irritated, frustrated state. Like, what'd you do that for? And what happens? Off the argument goes again. The emotional refractory period talks about maintaining the most significant recent emotional state. So you will scan your environment to maintain that state. Meaning if you walk into a room and you're depressed and you're down, you're going to see everything in the room that's going to calibrate to that state. If you walk into a room, like if you're going to present on stage and you're like, Oh my God, there's going to be so many people here staring at me, judging me. They're going to be freaking out. They're not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on. I'm, I'm like really worried. You're going to walk up there and guess what? You're going to see every single person looking at you that's like, oh, this guy's a retard. He's not going to do anything. Mm. But if you walk on stage, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to have some fun. And I'm going to connect with these people and see what I can do. 
if you walk into a room where you're networking, you're like, you know what? This is a pretty cool place. I know there's some good people in here. I'm just going to connect with those people and everyone else. Well, they can do whatever they need to. If you go into reading a book from a place where you're like, yeah, this book's not going to help, but I'm going to read it just because someone told me to read it. Put the book down. Yeah. Don't read it. That's why a lot of people these days now I'll, I'll definitely back this up. You want someone that's skilled if you're going to work with someone and you want someone with like some kind of training. But the best thing you can do is work with someone that you can connect with and that you feel trust. Because as long as you have that, then you're going to be able to open up. You're not going to... What blew my mind, man, was the amount of women that I work with. Like, I'm pretty blunt and pretty direct kind of guy. And I was an oil rig worker and a sailor, so I've been keeping my, a lid on my language as much as possible for the show. And it still even popped out a couple of times, right? Yeah. But the point, the point being, I have about a 65%, 35% ratio of women to men clients that I work with. And that blew my mind. And so I actually started asking my clients, I'm like, why the hell do you work with me and not with a woman? And like, well, they, they turned around and said, well, we, we know about you. We know you're good. And it's got nothing to do about the male-female thing. You provide a safe space. They're like, I know I can say anything to you. And you share your story. And you don't hold any grudges about that. So no matter what I say, I know there's not going to be a judgment about it. I'm like, well, you're coming to me to help you. So why would I judge you? But you have to come from the right state. It's all about state, man. You have to be in the right state when you take an exam. If you're studying for the exam and you listen to classical music and you're all calm and everything's chilled and there's no one else around, then that's okay. But then you go to take the exam and now suddenly you're stressed and they're surrounded by people. You're in a completely different state and state dependent learning dictates that memory recall of information is much more likely to occur when you're in the same state that when you learned it, hmm. which ties directly back into the emotional refractory period. Because when you're learning like all this stuff about persuasion, connecting that, when you're having fun, you don't learn it when you're stressed and down and freaking out. Yeah, it's so true. Even, yeah, I mean, Tony Robbins has talked about that too. And I just like all of a sudden clicked and the two and I'm like, man, you're, it's exactly right. You learn better when you're in a better emotional state and everything you see in, in the way you react is going to be based on that state, bro. That's fucking, that's so true, man. That's Absolutely. so, that's so true. And it's such a simple thing to do, but like we, we don't do it. And so, okay. You mentioned awareness. I want to talk about awareness and state a little bit. So first of all, bro, like with awareness, we we're aware and I've become more aware than before. And you're obviously aware as well, but like, how does somebody get aware? How do they, because a lot of these people don't even know that they, that they aren't aware. And does right. that come from like meditation or, cause I know for me, meditating and sitting in stillness and that kind of thing really brought more awareness to what was going on as to like going deep, you know, and really going like, okay, I don't need all these external things. I could go deep, like, especially with my breakup. I just went deep, bro. I didn't have. I just sat in nature and breathed. And I was like, man, like now I, I'm like, I get it now. I get what's happening with this energy. It's going in. I'm feeling it, but I'm going to let it go, you know? And all right. not all people, and a lot of people are looking for the, for the thing to fix it, but, and they don't realize the awareness. Like how does somebody, first of all, get that awareness? Like how does, 
you know, like somebody yeah. that doesn't even know they need to be aware. Well, if let's look at it this way. If you're not happy with where your life is, then you probably need to slow down. And most people are like, that doesn't make any sense. I need to hustle more. No, 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 no. You need to slow down. Because most likely, I'm not going to guarantee it, but there's a pretty good chance of it, especially in the Western world, your nervous system is in a state of sympathetic arousal, right? Now, what I'm talking about is, so we have an autonomic nervous system, which is like this automatic thing which regulates blood pressure and regulates your heartbeat and all these kind of things. Things you don't even have to think about. And it is a switch that is either the sympathetic arousal, which I guarantee you're going to know what I'm talking about in a second, or parasympathetic arousal. So it's either in fight, flight, or freeze. And freeze is overwhelmed, by the way. Or it's in fucking and feeding, which is parasympathetic arousal, right? Fornication. Mm. When you're in a state of fight or flight, it's about survival. How do I get to this next second? Anxiety, fear, right? All these kind of things create this. Because we're hardwired. If, if, and I'm not talking down about any religion here, just so we're clear, but this is, this is purely based off my beliefs in science. And that's where it's coming from. So if this offends anyone for religion, I apologize. I'm not trying to do that. Having said that, based on evolutionary biology, our neurology has evolved over the past couple of hundred thousand to million years. Your psychology has evolved over around, technically, well, however old you are, but the way we look at things, less than a hundred. The whole idea of the subconscious mind and all this came about from Freud. It was around in the forties and fifties, right? So it's not even a hundred years. When we're, when we're hunting mastodons, saber tooth tigers, all these kind of things, that is acute levels of stress. Extreme rises, extreme drops, and then it just plateaus. Your neurology, mine, everybody's is designed to deal with acute stress. It's not designed to deal with chronic stress, which means waking up to alarm every day, five days a week with screaming kids, with a boss that's sending you messages, getting emails all hours of the night, not getting coffee breaks, not sleeping, dealing with school, dealing with all these things that we've now incorporated into our life, build up and build up and build up and build up. And yes, we become accustomed to it. So we don't even think the body's stressed, but it is. And it's in a state of sympathetic arousal. To cultivate awareness, exactly like what you're saying, sitting still, meditating, parasympathetic arousal. It's slowing things down. Mm. And speed up your success, you need to slow things down. <laughs> oh, man. Bro, your, your way of explaining this stuff is, is powerful, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Man, that's what it takes sometimes for people to understand this stuff is to just have it explained properly, you know? And this is just such a fascinating topic, man. And wow. So what do you have? Like, what's your, like, what's your journey looking like in the next while? You know, I'm not going to ask you what's 20 years look from, but what, what do you, you know, what's the, what's your book? Like, what is it looking like? Like, what is your journey? What do you? Oh, it's been, it's been interesting, man. Um, I've just hired a couple of 
consultants to help me clean up the business. Like I, I can, I can help people. I can train people. I can do certain things, but setting up a systematized business is not my forte. So I've hired someone to help me out with that. I hear because, you on that. And this is why I look at it, right? I'm in a position where people hire me to help them break through confusion, like destroy hesitation and like get real clarity and coherence to launch themselves into like the next level of their business. So if I'm expecting people to come pay for my service and I can't do something, then what kind of jackass would I be if I wasn't prepared to go do the same thing with other people? So I've just hired on a couple of contractors who are going to start setting up and actually building out Facebook ad campaigns, Google ad campaigns, stuff like that. Cause I've been building online products for my personal clients now for over a year. So I wanted to give them stuff to do between the sessions that we work together. So they can like, they've got stuff to do, they can go through and they can make progress and they can come back and like they can make leaps and bounds. Right. And so I'm going to start running those. So it's about building out. I've also had a lot of people reach out to me asking me, can you train me? Because I'm a trainer, NLP trainer, and hypnosis, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sure, I can train you, but I'm pretty strict about who I will train, how I'll train them, because I won't just do like a three-day weekend, like, oh, you're certified now, bullshit. If you want to get certified and you want to work with me in the business, it's going to take three to six months because I want people that, no matter who comes up on the door, as long as they're fit for the process, you can help them and you're not going to go, oh, well, I'm not sure, and then they don't get the result. So the next few months, man, I've almost finished uh, the book that I've been writing for a while. I've been researching for a couple of years. And that's basically a book on coherence conditioning, which is kind of slowing things down, teaching everyone how to slow things down. And I sucked at that. So I had to go like a backwards way. And a lot of people try to do it with the mind and I've, I do it a very different way. And uh, that should be finished by... I'm hoping to have it done by November, um, potentially December. You got a name for it that we can look out for? Or are you going to keep that quiet for now? I don't have a name for it, bro. I'm trying to book. The name will come up eventually, right? 100%. Um, it's, it's more about like making sure that it's told in a way that is useful. There's going to be a couple of challenges coming out. So I've got a coherence challenge, a clarity challenge, a confidence challenge. Uh, teaching people like in seven days how to go from here to here so they can get measured notable differences. Collaborations with some really, really cool people. I believe you know Kayvon. Yeah, I um I don't really know him that well, but where where is he based? Is he He's Vancouver, man? Is he? Man, I swear I must I thought I saw him at the gym actually. And I was like, is that that guy? He's in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude I gotta uh, introduce myself. It's funny because yeah, he's, he's solid, man. He's a good dude. So um because my stuff's all about mindset, his stuff about sales. There's a massive cross of you need a good mindset for sales. So we're looking at doing a collaboration there. Um, there's some other people as well doing collabs with. I'll be presenting at Mike Young's event and wherever that is, Cabo or Puerto Rico, where the hell that's going to be. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, man. Like it's, it's I, I don't know, man. I'm just going to. Roll with the punches, see what happens. Maybe it all ends up in a huge flop, dude. You know, maybe it's a complete disaster. No, I start no. again. You know no, what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear and you. So what? It's, it's all good. I'll figure it out. Absolutely, man. 
Absolutely. So where can everybody find you, bro? I, everybody's got to check you out, man. I, uh, <laughs> you're leaving, even leaving me in suspense. I'm like, fuck, I got to check this guy out, man. Tell, uh, tell us where we can find you and you know, what's the best way to connect with you? Dude, connect with me any way you want. Uh, if you want, reach out on Facebook, even as a friend, it's fine. Uh, Clay Moffat on Facebook. I'm pretty sure I'm one of the only Clay Moffats on Facebook. Um, if you search Clay Moffat in Google, you'll find my website, which is claymoffat.com. I've got the other website, which is going to be more of like the academy where there's going to be the specialist that I'm training to work with people. That's grayzoneunderground.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, kind of, which is, it's just clay.moffat. Um, I am on LinkedIn too as well, actually. Yeah, which is also Clay Moffat. Pretty easy right. to find you. Yeah, well, just, We'll have all that in the show notes, man. We'll make sure and make it clear for you to, for people to check you out because you're definitely piquing people's fucking curiosity, man, because this stuff is just so, it, it's so amazing and so important, especially now in the entrepreneurial world, a lot of people listening and they want to get the edge and in, in, in the way you've explained it in the simplicity, the simple form is, is great, man, because sometimes you just need a person you can trust to help you navigate this thing, this journey, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I really think, bro, I, I, you're on to some amazing things. So I, I'm super grateful for coming and hanging out with us, man. I oh, do. My pleasure, man. Like, <laughs> we, we've been meaning to do this for a while now. I'm yeah. really, really appreciative that you like, kind of like flexed your schedule a little bit for me. Yeah. So I appreciate you on that, man. It's, it's, I've been having a great time. Yeah. Awesome, man. No, yeah. Again, I really appreciate it. So all, well, let's tie this up, man. One more question. My one staple question that I've kind of changed over time. It's, you know, what is one lesson that, ad, that adversity or whatever you want to call it, you know, and it's funny how you told me in the beginning, oh, I don't have any adversity stories. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me now? I'm like, that's not, I'm like, so many people say, oh, I don't know about my story. And then they started telling me, I'm like, really? You don't think that's, that's something like it's, it's man, that was one of the most, that was one of the most interesting conversations in hearing. Uh, I was like, you know, it felt like I was watching a movie hearing you tell that, bro. Honestly. But like, what is the one lesson that you've learned from any of these, like, these, like, you know, hills that you've had to get over or however you want to call them? So first, don't travel with me if you want an easy trip. And what I mean by that is, I mean, literally, don't go on a fucking trip with me if you want it to be easy, because it never is. <laughs> Everything always goes fucking wrong. But uh, <laughs> on, 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 on a side note, if something's going wrong in your life, it means you've got an opportunity to correct it. And if you've got an opportunity to correct it, that means that you've got a chance. It's not a bad thing. It's an opportunity to improve. Mm. And if you didn't notice that, then you'd end up in a much worse spot. So that's where it comes back to, it's the same thing, man. It comes back to just being lucky. Yeah. And whether you believe in reincarnation or not, you've got this one shot in this space in time, right? Yeah. You've got that. And you can either throw it away. And I get it, right? And this, I really do get it. People didn't have as good a start to life as me. But there are people who definitely had a worse start than life to me who have done much better. Oprah being one of them. Possibly one of the most successful people that 99% of the planet would have heard about. Yeah. 
right, had racism, had sexism, was molested by a family member, overcome all that to be potentially the wealthiest woman in the world. I believe she was for a while. Yeah. Now it's the Kardashians or some shit. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, man. So while I get that, I haven't had that experience and I'm not talking about that. There are people that have had it. And if you're going to continue to evaluate your life against other people's and say that yours is worse, then you're missing the fucking point. Well said. Well said, brother. Wow. Well, guys, make sure you check out Clay Moffat. Super easy to find him. Watch out for his book as well. You know, The Wizard. I don't know if you like to go by that, but you, you from the sounds of it, bro. <laughs> I don't really have much of a choice, man. <laughs> Mike, Mike Young, yeah. who's doing all my branding, pastes yeah. it everywhere. And then he's installed it. So we, we work with a couple of clients together. Yeah, yeah. Pasting it everywhere. So, I mean, like, it's just kind of is what it is. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to see what you can create, man. And just connecting me today is just a start of a uh, start of an awesome journey. I'm, I'm sure we'll be connecting at some event or some point soon. So I look forward to it, brother. I'm sent, bro. Thank you very much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Claim off it, everybody. Woo! That was a good one. That was a good conversation. It's funny because I was in my room, we were recording the video and it was like getting dark so I could watch the screen. It was getting darker and darker. It's pretty funny. Man, what a great conversation. Such a real solid dude. I heard he was a good guy before we met, but man, what an awesome guy. Make sure to check him out. If you have any any doubt or any sort of questions you want, man, hit him up. Look him up. All the, all the information is in the show notes. He's doing some amazing things, and it's only just the beginning. He's going to grow to levels that are going to be very – it's going to be hard to attain, obtain because he's going to have so many people wanting to, um, you know, take advantage of his work. So get there now, go check him out, hit him up before, you know, he gets too busy. So he, yeah, I mean, right after our conversation, I hit him up. I was like, dude, that stuff was awesome. And I'm not just saying that. So anyways, hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it's annoying, but I got to say it, go subscribe, leave a review. You know, <laughs> if you got the time, share it with a friend, text a friend, all that good stuff. All right. I love you guys. I appreciate every single one of you. And you guys are all part of the University of Adversity alumni and most importantly, the family. So have an amazing day, guys. Love you. Catch you next time.